So people that are writing in campus journalism typically are a very like self-selected crowd of people who already have kind of like cast worry to the wind and are in for it. So I think that most people that are already involved with campus journalism, uh, yeah, I think that they'll kind of hopefully help pick up on some of the energy surrounding uh, the Irish Rover right now, and it'll be a positive thing in general. Join the best in the movement. It's conservative conversations with ISI, educating for liberty since 1953. Welcome back. You're listening to Conservative Conversations with Tom Sarouf. Johnny and Marlo are out today, so it's just me. And with me today is one of our students, Joseph Durrell, who's a rising senior at the University of Notre Dame, where he's studying classics and economics. And he's currently the editorial assistant at Compact Magazine. He's the editor-in-chief emeritus at The Irish Rover, which is ISI's collegiate network publication at Notre Dame. And he's been published in First Things, The American Conservative, and The National Catholic Register. He joins us to talk about a lawsuit facing the Irish Rover by a campus professor. So, Joe, welcome. Uh, looking forward to chatting with you more about this and about other things. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, before we continue with our interview, I'd like to thank the listener for listening to Conservative Conversations. This podcast is a production of the Intercollegiate Studies Institute, and our mission is Educating for Liberty. If you'd like to join us in fulfilling this mission, be sure to rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts to help us reach more listeners like yourself. So, Joe, before we talk about this lawsuit at the Irish Rover, uh, I'd love for you to share more about your experience with ISI and your work with the Irish Rover. How did you first get involved? What has your experience been like? And what are the things that you've learned from your time as editor-in-chief at the Rover? Yeah, absolutely. I've been involved with ISI and the Irish Rover <clears throat> since pretty early on in my time in college. I started writing for the Rover like my second week at Notre Dame. It was just kind of by happenstance. I ran into a guy on campus who had been the editor-in-chief the previous year, and I was looking for things to get involved with. And this was during kind of like COVID restriction years on college campuses, the 2020-2021 school year. So I was like, oh, this sounds, seems like a great guy and I want to be involved with whatever this thing is that he's excited about. Um, so I kind of just started writing that way, but I absolutely fell in love with kind of the journalistic process and I wanted to help defend Notre Dame's Catholic identity. So I got involved with that very quickly. Um, and then it was kind of through the same group of friends that I was with at the Irish Rover and in kind of similar circles that invited me to join an ISI conference. Um, I think that spring, which ended up getting pushed to, yeah, yeah, it was that May, it was the Houston conference that May was the first ISI conference I went to. Um, and since then I've been to probably half a dozen conferences and collegiate network events. And that also has been a huge part of my college experience. Excellent. That's that's pretty similar to my experience. I wrote for the Torque, which is BC's uh, equivalent of the Irish okay. Rover, um, and we've had some. And then also being involved with various ISI conferences, and obviously now working mm -hmm. at ISI. But uh, you know, one of the things at BC is the Torch had its fair share of pretty interesting big stories. So I'm wondering what some of the big stories yeah. that the Irish Rover has broken during your time at Notre Dame, besides the one that we're going to talk about. Yeah, other than the one that we're going to talk about. I mean, there is 
a story that blew up last year. Uh, our editor in chief of last year, Mary Frances Myler, wrote it. It was titled "No Man Can Serve Two Masters," and it's just about kind of the the tension at Notre Dame between conforming to secular values and staying faithful to uh, the Catholic the mission of the Catholic Church. I think that that still is the most read article on the Rover website by probably double anything else. Uh, so that's really what felt like, at least in my time, that first put a public spotlight on what we were doing. And the first time that I realized, oh, like, we're writing all these stories and kind of assumed that everyone was just seeing the, the printed copies and throwing the stacks in the garbage can, which definitely does happen around campus. Uh, but that was the first time I realized, oh, people are actually reading and actually paying attention. So that was definitely a big moment, I think, for all of us at the Rover. Um, yeah, other than that, though, I think there's been any number of stories that get lots of traction or little traction. Sometimes it's the stories that I wish would get more traction that no one ends up reading. Uh, I think that there's definitely like a little bit of controversy seeking amongst the audience of uh, the audience of the paper. So I think that like, some of my favorite stories that we've done have been about, say, the Eucharistic procession on campus or the new classes or like profiles of professors or other people on campus. Uh, yeah. Well, you're sort of speaking a little bit about, I guess, people actually know that you're out there. And so I'm wondering as a young journalist, but someone who's been, uh, who's written for national, major national publications, um, what you're, for any of our younger listeners who are maybe interested in cutting their teeth in journalism, and I know you've spoken at ISI yeah. conferences as a more experienced campus journalist, uh, what do you? What would you tell the upstarts for uh, getting into the world of journalism and some things that you've learned over the years as a young writer? The biggest hurdle for me to get over when I was starting writing was to just pick up the phone and call people if there's a story. Like, I was surprised at how much even as a college journalist, people are happy to talk and happy to tell their story. And you can actually get in, I think the temptation nowadays especially for younger people to think oh i'm writing the story i can find everything i need to like through various online sources and i can just do it all from the safety of behind my computer and never interact with the people that you're writing about but i think that yeah it's the most important thing yeah that i got over maybe in like the second semester of me writing is like oh you can pick up the phone and then that's when journalism actually becomes interesting once you're finding things out and writing them down and publishing them for the first time that no one else has heard a particular angle on the story. That sounds like really good advice. Um, and I'm sure what we're going to talk about next, turning to this uh, lawsuit, is this will also have some wisdom for other journalists, student or you know seasoned professional who's never faced a lawsuit yeah. before. But the Irish Rover is being sued, and so we'll get into the specifics as we go, but basically it's sort of broad view what happened yeah so the suit is mostly stemming from an article that i wrote last october um this article was kind of a profile of a certain professor at notre dame tamara k her advocacy with regard to abortion on campus um so after roe v wade was overturned indiana was one of the first states to pass a law to make abortion illegal in the state. Now that was, it was struck down, or not struck down, it was appealed, so there's been an injunction under it. So 
the law isn't being enforced currently, but for, there was a brief time last fall where it was being enforced. Um, so there was a large push amongst uh, pro-abortion advocates uh, kind of around the Notre Dame area. And this professor had sent out several messages through her social media advertising, here's where you can access abortion pills like abortionfinder.com, um, plancorg and various other organizations. Um, <coughs> in addition to <coughs> putting up um, an advertisement on her door saying like, if you need, um, if you have any questions regarding like in all caps, all healthcare, um, like contact me. Um, and yeah, a number of other kind of things related to that. So I pretty much um, summarized, yeah, I took a report of all this advocacy she had done, and then I showed up at a panel she was speaking at. So the panel was something else related to abortion advocacy, and I just approached her after the panel um, and it, it conducted a brief interview uh, to try and get like her perspective on like what was going on. Um, and yeah, so I published this article. I knew that like I knew it was a somewhat notable story, but I wasn't nearly expecting the blow up that it received. Because um, in the next two days, I think there were probably two dozen or more national outlets that picked up the story. Um, and yeah, so from there, it definitely like brought a lot more attention to the rover and what was going on and the university. It seems kind of stepped in behind the scenes because the the sign on her door disappeared. Um, her Twitter handle was changed to not mention Notre Dame, um, and yeah, various other things related to this kind of shut down without there being any sort of formal or public announcement from the university. So, I kind of thought like, okay, like I did my job. I reported on this. It got attention, and the issue is, yeah, more or less resolved. Um, but yeah, then I started hearing rumors kind of through the whole spring semester. Um, people kept asking me like, oh, is Professor K suing you guys? And I was like, no, I haven't heard anything. No, I haven't heard anything. Um, and until eventually, yeah, so there was an article in New York Magazine's The Cut that was published April 3rd. And in that, there is, it was a, kind of a profile of Tamara K and her abortion advocacy and in that article, it said like she is contemplating legal action against the university and the Irish Rover. It's like, oh, so like I don't know how other people knew before I did, but it seems that she has been thinking about this. And very shortly after, we received a letter of intent to sue, followed a month later, which is just a couple of weeks ago, by the actual lawsuit. That is pretty wild stuff. I'm sure it's not the first case of a professor suing a student or a student group, but it is certainly the first I've ever heard of. Yeah. Um, and I remember when the story broke back in October, it blew up. Uh, and I was, you know, I'm a pretty news conscientious person, so I'm reading news fairly frequently. And I remember that story blowing up. Um, what was the response from the student body at the time? Yeah, the response from the student body was... I think it was very positive. Notre Dame, like, it's, yeah, it's it has its good issues and its bad issues as far as, like, the where the student body's at, but I think it is still a very pro-life campus. I mean, the pro-life club is way bigger than any other student organization. It has, like, 700, 800 members. Um, 
And so, like, there wasn't a lot of, even, like, people who disagree, like, didn't want it. Like, there isn't kind of the same, yeah, like, there isn't the same demonization of pro-life students or even, like, it's almost, like, flipped that uh, the majority are pro-life. So it wasn't really an issue on campus for me at all. Well, that's good. And I'm wondering what you're you sort of explained what you did or what you said that she was engaging in as a matter of pro-abortion advocacy. Mm-hmm. What is she claiming that you said is false or defaming? Cause I think that's a defamation lawsuit. Right? Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. So I mean, the answer to that question, I guess is yeah, it's, it's changed a little bit over the past nine months. So before the suit, um, just like right after the article was released, she started making, excuse me, she started making a couple of claims on Twitter. Like one of them was, she said like, there was absolutely no interview for this piece, uh, which just wasn't true. So actually when I was interviewed for the New York magazine, the cut article, um, the reporter asked me, she's like, Professor Kay says that you hadn't interviewed her for this. Like, did you ever speak to her? And I was like, well, yes, I have a recording of my interview, and I did interview her. Um, and then when the article came out, like, Professor Kay, that was the first time she admitted, she was like, oh, well, he did approach me. I just didn't realize he was interviewing me. But even that, like, I introduced myself with the publication like I would for any interview. Hi, I'm Joe. I'm the editor of The Rover. Um, so that was a really kind of odd, easily disprovable claim uh, of what was wrong. But then after, now that the actual lawsuit was filed, she, yeah, she's claiming, um, I guess most of the claims in the lawsuit are about actually a follow-up article that was written by another writer at the Rover, which was coverage of her March 7th uh, speech that she gave for Notre Dame College Democrats. Um yeah, with regard to my article in the lawsuit, she doesn't cite any specific examples of things that she thinks is false. She said, like, this article is defamatory, um, but there's no specifics in there. So I'm not sure exactly what she's thinking of there or what, yeah, what they're actually going after, if anything. Um, but yeah, this this other article, it was covering, uh, like I said, an event she did with the College Democrats. And in that, she has... Yeah, I think the headline of that was like Tamara Kay explains herself to college Democrats. And really what she's objecting to is mostly just like the wording of a couple phrases. Um, but in those phrases, it seems like checking them back off the off the recording of the event. It seems like there were like, it's a kind of a, yeah, there's like a couple of spots where the wording is slightly off, but never does the the meaning change or the sense of it change. So even there, I'm not really sure like substantively what she thinks is defamatory. It's not really clearly conveyed by the lawsuit itself. Okay. And did she ever reach out to you? It sounds like she didn't never reached out to you or to the Rover and said, take this down. It was all, what are all sort of behind the scenes? Yeah. The first that I heard was the letter of intent to sue and in that, it said, like, take this down and apologize. But that was coming from her lawyer, not her. Um, so, yeah, I never heard from her since the initial writing of the article. Well, what about the university and the school administration? 
are they involved at all in this lawsuit? I don't know how much you're allowed to get into these things, but have they reached out to you either at the time of the article or um, since the lawsuit's been filed, are they involved at all? Yeah, they, they're not involved. Um, yeah, I mean, since the Rover is an incorporated 501c3 South Bend nonprofit, uh, yeah, so there's no formal affiliation between us and the university. So they aren't obviously aren't formally involved in the lawsuit. But also, yeah, I have not heard from any administrator or, yeah, higher up at the university. Um, yeah, I never, like, at the time of the initial article or since the lawsuit's been going on. Although, yeah, I'm not sure that the university knew this, that this was happening until it became public knowledge a couple of days ago. We hadn't tried to communicate with them about any of this. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a number of professors who have reached out and offered advice, but nothing from administration at the university. That's interesting. I, didn't, I don't think I realized that you were a separate entity mm -hmm. from the university. My understanding at BC, at least, is that we were very much tied to campus ministry. Okay, so, gotcha. Um, we got we got hauled in there a few times um, <laughs> for our reporting, but yeah, so that's a, that's what the rover was trying to avoid is being hauled in by administrators. Uh, yeah, leaving us some freedom to to report on whatever we like. Probably, probably wise. Maybe I should should tell the BC folks to look into that. The, the point still stands is that a professor is suing yeah. people who are students of the university. Yeah. Like that's, that would be sort of very awkward if you ended up taking a class with her. Yeah. And now you get to choose your own classes, so that would never happen. But yeah. um, so it's very interesting that the university yeah. has nothing to say, uh, whether the rover is independent or otherwise. Yeah, no, it is true. Um, and I guess, yeah, I'm kind of just giving it time. I'd like to think that there'll be some sort of communication some sort of at least question or ask for explanation from the university um but like i guess we'll wait and see um at least when back in the fall maybe i'll go knock on someone's door and ask to chat sure what's the it's only come out in the last few days and you guys aren't on campus right now but what's the response from ben from the student body about hearing about the lawsuit um, I'm sure you said some professors yeah. have reached out. I'm sure many of your classmates are talking about it. Uh, in fact, I know some of your classmates are talking about it. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that, yeah, and most of what I've heard has all been very positive and supportive. Um, I know that, yeah, the other student newspaper, the actual official campus student newspaper published like a little article about it. Uh, There's kind of just like reporting this is what's happening rather than taking a stance on it. But everyone that I know or anyone that's reached out to me personally has been like, hang in there, you're doing good work, all that. Um, and then, yeah, from the Rover staff, I mean, there's like 12 or 13 of us that are on the, yeah, formally on the staff of the Rover. And everyone's doing well there. Um, people are either excited or ambivalent, but nobody's running away or dissociating themselves. So that's something I was happy to see. That's encouraging. Um, yeah. Speaking of the rover, you all wrote an article in response to the lawsuit, uh, We Will Not Be Silenced, mm -hmm. which I read. Yes. What were some of the things that you were saying uh, in, in that piece? And what's your, I guess, the rover's public stance uh, or re response to, to being sued. Yeah. 
Absolutely. So I guess that article, the goal in writing it was to, yeah, lay out from our perspective, here's kind of the history of what's happened. Here are the claims. Here are our responses to it. And kind of, obviously, like we made it pretty clear with the title, we will not be silenced. Um, kind of our understanding is that it's some sort of bullying or silencing technique that's being used by this. And it's just like, yeah, we're going to stand by what we said. What I wrote, I still believe is true. What Luke wrote in the March article, I believe is true. And he stands by it also. Um, so I guess, yeah, the thought is why would, we're not going to retract anything. We're going to continue operation as normal, uh, lawsuit notwithstanding. Um, so yeah, we're just, we're sticking by it all. Yeah, that's good. I think that's a very, that's the right posture to take. Um, because when I, I'm not a legal expert by any stretch of the imagination, but it seems to me that the lawsuit was more about trying to cover her own policies or cover herself and having this bad, this info that's not bad because it's false, but bad because it makes reflects poorly uh, on mm -hmm. her decisions on her advocacy, especially within a Catholic institution like Notre Dame. That was mm -hmm. uh, an attempt to, to try and bat down some uh, inconvenient facts getting out there. But what do you think that this lawsuit would have, what sort of effect is this lawsuit going to have uh, on campus journalism, either at Notre Dame or if more things like this happen yeah. around the country. Yeah, I mean, I guess speaking specifically to Notre Dame, um, I think like yeah, we really view it as an opportunity. Like we're confident that the suit itself will be resolved quickly, um, so we don't have a lot of fears there. Um, but yeah, I think that. This has brought definitely a lot more attention to the rover. And again, it's kind of like it's important to have reminders every once in a while that, oh, okay, people are paying attention and people do care what's happening with what we're doing. Um, so, yeah, and my hope is that we can use this to be even more energized coming into next year. Um, yeah, I think that the beginning of the year is always very important for getting people to commit to regular articles and bringing freshmen in. Now, for the first time in a while, most a lot of a lot of freshmen coming in will already know what the rover is if they've heard about it. I've gotten actually a significant number of emails from incoming freshmen, um, which excites me because I'm like, yeah, I would. I, I always offer to, yeah, get lunch or reach out and meet up with them because, like I mentioned at the beginning of this call, it was me talking with a senior in the first week of my freshman year that got me involved in the first place. Um, so yeah, I'm just hoping to, I'm hoping to be that for as many incoming young students as I can uh, in the coming year. So hopefully some of them are going to be listening to this. Um, yeah, because, yeah, so, but yeah, back to your question. As far as campus journalism in general, um, I think that most yeah, there's already like a little bit of a fear amongst a lot of students, I think, to write down what you think and write down your opinions, or even if it's not opinions, but report facts that would be like, I guess, like out you as being conservative or Catholic or holding, yeah, holding certain values. Um, so I think that fear already exists. So people that are writing in campus journalism typically are a very like self-selected crowd of people who 
already have kind of like cast worry to the wind and are in for it. So I think that most people that are already involved with campus journalism, uh, yeah, I think that they'll kind of hopefully help pick up on some of the energy surrounding uh, the Irish Rover right now, and it'll be a positive thing in general. Well, that's you just said a lot of great things there um, from having a, a new cast of characters who are ready to come into Notre Dame being fired up by this. Um, but I'd love to know, I guess this is sort of a cl- closing question, but what's, what do you think the fallout will be from this? You've sort of already touched on it, but, um, and then what's next both for the Rover, uh, and for you, what do you, and you're, you're a senior, you're, you'll be moving on from Notre Dame after mm-hmm. this year, graduating. What are some of your aspirations, uh, or, yeah. or hopes yeah. to, that you, that you'd like to see yourself doing in the next few years here? Yeah, I guess I'll start with the Rover. Um, I guess, yeah, for us, every year at the Rover, it's just like, it's always tough because being college students, there's super high turnover every year. So it's like usually the the task at the beginning of the year is just to make sure that the publication is still running. And I think that we're fortunate that that isn't a concern right now. Like we had a lot of young people involved the past two years. So there's a lot of people that have multiple years that they'll be able to give to the rover. So I think that the hope is just to continue to expand our presence because the more, the bigger, larger presence we have, the more writers we can get and the more writers, like the more thoroughly we can cover campus events. Um, yeah, just more manpower for better and more thorough reporting. Um, so I'm excited that the organization is growing and that it's on the up. Um, as far as me personally, um, yeah, I am. So I actually, like you said, I'm editor in chief emeritus of the rover. So I stepped away from editor of the rover just because, yeah, it's always been a one year job in the 20 year history. I don't think I don't know of anyone who's done it twice. So I passed it along to a friend of mine who is our managing editor last year, and he'll be a senior. Um, so yeah, I'm just hoping to continue writing. I'll write regularly for the Rover. Um, I'm interning this summer at Compact Magazine with Sora Bamari and Matthew Schmitz. Uh, and yeah, they've been very good to me and I'll be writing at least a little bit for them. Um, in addition to, yeah, we'll see where else. It's just, I guess the, I'm, I'll be a little bit more of a, of a free agent this year and then hopefully something will materialize into a job after I finish. Well, fair enough. Uh, people out there who are listening, give this man a job. Um, he's doing great work defending and promoting the, the Catholic tradition and the Catholic character of Notre Dame. Um, and so that's all I have. So Joe, thanks for coming on and I want to wish you good luck in your legal battle. Um, I'm not, a, like I said, I'm not a lawyer, but it sounds like a pretty open and shut case from my perspective. Um, hope you're but right. uh, if people, and I appreciate you coming on to talk about it, uh, but if people want to stay up yeah, to date absolutely. on the story and all of the good work that you and the Irish Rover are doing, where should they look? Yeah, um, we have our website, the Irish Rover, uh, Notre Dame Irish Rover. Um, if you're on social media, it's usually ND Irish Rover as the as the social media handle. Um, and yeah, I guess that do our website and wherever. I'm not sure who else is going to be writing articles on this story, but National Review, 
American Conservative has something coming out, I think, uh, and any number of other publications. So, yeah, I appreciate people's interest. Well, we'll plug all of that in our show notes. So thanks, Joe. Thanks again. And thank you to our listeners for listening to Conservative Conversations with ISI. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to head over to isi.org slash resources to see all that we offer our members, including the Intercollegiate Review, Select Modern Age Articles, and of course, this podcast. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to rate and review, and we will see you next time on Conservative Conversations with ISI.